Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and flick. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is Election Day. I hope you got out there and voted. Yes, it's November 8th, one week after Halloween. Maybe this might be the scariest day of all. <laughs> anyway, my name is Michael Nazareth. I'm uh, host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me, once again, my very good friend, a very experienced fantasy player, writer, extraordinaire, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very lovely, sir. Very lovely. Like you said, it is probably one of the scariest days of the year with Election Day. Uh, I saw a great quote uh, somebody tweeted today that said, uh, uh, the, the good news is the Democrats lost a lot of seats. The bad news is the Republicans got them. So, <laughs> so Yep. Like you, yep. Ever, you can't you can't win no matter what, you know. So, no matter I'm what with you on. right there. There will be no political talk on this show. We're always just talking about fantasy football. There's enough uh to talk about <laughs> with that. Uh let's get right to the big big news and notes of the week and oh my gosh, uh, right in your area of the country, Indianapolis, the Colts they fired uh, head coach Frank Reich. Uh wow, wow. What's what's your first reaction, Chris, and, and what's the fantasy impact here for this complete mess of a team? Yeah, my, my first reaction is, you know that very famous uh, little video clip they always show of Vince Lombardi on the sideline where he goes, what the hell is going on here? That's pretty much what everyone here in town is saying right now. And, uh, I mean, I, I think it, he was fired literally 30 minutes after I sent you a text saying, oh, no, they're not going to fire him. He never fires anyone midseason. So it's, it's just a disaster. It's a mess. Um, this team was already a mess. Everything's getting all screwed up. You know, people are talking about, like, they're going to try and tank. I'll tell you right now, if they're trying to tank, they wouldn't have hired Jeff Saturday. Not that he's going to, you know, drive them to success or anything, but he is too high a character guy to tank. He wouldn't have taken the job if, if he wanted him to tank. So um, supposedly Tony Dungy had come out and said this was a totally bad move, and he would have taken the interim job if he had been asked, which he wasn't apparently. So, I mean, it's, it's just crazy. They, they fired their offensive coordinator. They fired their offensive leader in Frank Reich. They, they turned over the play calling to a 30-year-old who has never even been a position coach in the league when they had two guys on their bench who had been offensive coordinators and play callers before. They have two guys on their bench who are former NFL head coaches and Gus Bradley and John Fox. I mean, John Fox went to a Super Bowl, for Pete's sake. It just doesn't make any sense. If they really wanted somebody who wasn't a real head coach and just was a a leader of men like Jeff Saturday is, they had Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator, who is well-liked and works with guys on both sides of the ball. It just none of this makes any sense at all. 
And when you wrap it all together and you factor in the problems they're having to, to become fantasy relevant as well as NFL relevant, I don't see how any of this is going to make that any better. You've got a play caller and a head coach who have no idea what they're doing necessarily with basically a rookie quarterback, an offensive line that can't block, and receivers that can't get open, and a bunch of injured running backs. This sounds to me like there is not a single person that should be started for fantasy, even in a heavy bye week from this team, with the possible exception that maybe Michael Pittman might get enough volume to be a number three receiver. Maybe Chase McLaughlin will get enough field goals. He certainly won't be getting extra points. And the defense has been playing great all year, but they're they're playing great defense but not getting turnovers or sacks, so they're not really fantasy relevant. So there's really nothing to like here. Not only is the team uh, bad, but it's uninteresting uh, from both an NFL and a fantasy perspective. Yeah, uh, wow, that's like a three-minute day, did Trev? <laughs> and I agree with you on everything there. Uh, you know, yeah, Jeff Saturday has, what, uh, one year of head coaching experience of high school team? So, yeah, NFL yeah. high school, right? Uh, well, Jeez. and then he first thing he says is Sam Ellinger is going to continue to start, or at least start this week. Fingers crossed, yeah, if you've got Pittman or any other receiver. I, I paid a lot of money in my fab uh, in one of my high-stakes leagues to get Alec Pierce about a month ago. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't think that that's going to pan out very very well. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, ho- hopefully, uh, you know, uh, they'll, they'll become some kind of relevant or, or, or do something uh, good this, this week. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Anyway, uh, let's move on over. Uh, the big injury uh, of the of the week, or at least hopefully it's not that bad of an injury, but uh, late in the Jets game, uh, Josh Allen had his ulnar uh, nerve uh, hit when he was trying to throw. He ended up throwing a, like a ball of 60 yards like a play or two later, but he was shaking his hand and flexing, uh, shaking his arm and flexing his hand. Uh, they're checking it out. Uh, the word uh, on the street, of course, on Monday was saying that they expect that he'll be able to play this week, but I'm hearing different things. Uh, fantasy doctors and such online are saying that he's going to sit at least one week, possibly up to two or three. Uh, what's your take on this? And uh, if you've got any uh, Bills players, I guess you should be worried, uh, right, right, Chris? Uh, possibly, depending on which Bills players you're talking about. And we're, I'm going to touch on some of that when we go through our clicks and flicks a little bit, but uh, I do think he's probably going to play. I, I think if there was really any chance this was a serious thing, they would probably sit him just to make sure because they're going to make the playoffs and they're in pretty good shape already. I think he's going to play, but it may change the way he plays, maybe not so many downfield throws, um, which may increase the value of guys in the short range and maybe decrease the guys who are, who are deep threats. But uh, I, I think he's going to play. That's my. If I had to guess, I would say you're probably okay. But, you know, you certainly want to have a backup anyway this time of year just for, for any position, especially the quarterback position. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm in that group, too. Uh, my, my one uh, league where I have Josh Allen, I had Matt Ryan as my backup, and I used him on the bye. Nope. But then, of course, Matt Ryan was benched. That's right. Nope. <laughs> anyway, uh, I spent my little bit of fat money to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, but Deshaun Watson's not going to play until week 13. So, yeah, I'll be looking at picking up uh, either Danny Dimes, the Giants quarterback, uh, or maybe Matthew Stafford. There's a couple other guys out there that I've got some fab money on. And all. I'm hoping, of course, that Josh Allen plays and 
Maybe he'll spend the whole game running. <laughs> he ran for two scores last week, but you know we'll, we'll see there. Uh, moving on over to our next big injury of the week was Aaron Jones' ankle. Uh, he left the game. Uh, it looked kind of serious, but now they said that uh, they, they took some uh, x-rays and such, an MRI, and uh, that he should play this week. But it, it, we'll see if he get, makes it through the, uh, the, the, week, the practice week. Let's say he's kind of iffy to play and all. A.J. Dillon's there, but what, what's your thoughts on the whole uh, Aaron Jones injury, Chris? Yeah I, yeah, I think if he can play, he will play. I mean, that's a team that's just, you know, in desperate need of, of playmakers. I mean, they're, they're, they're one Aaron Jones injury away from becoming the Colts as far as playmakers. I think that's how bad they are. Uh, but uh, I, I, if he says he's going to play, I think he will. He's generally kind of pushed through when he's been iffy in the past, as, as I recall. Uh, it will impact him, so you'll probably get a little bit more A.J. Dillon, a little bit less Aaron Jones, which, and, and maybe a little bit more of him uh, trying to plow through the line, so his, his red zone touches will probably be greatly reduced, I imagine. So I, I say that it probably increases Dillon's value, decreases Jones' value, but if he's playing, you probably still start him, because even at 75%, he's probably still an RB2 for you. Okay, yeah. And then another running back uh, that everyone's keeping their eye on coming off of bye. Of course, he's nursing a knee injury, Zeke Elliott, for the Cowboys. Uh, he did not practice on Monday, and that kind of set off warning bells. Uh, well, maybe not, might, might not play. Uh, Tony Pollard had, uh, what, three touchdowns two weeks ago before the bye, and he was like, I'm tired. I tapped out after like 14 carries, but, you know, uh, he had already done his damage there. Well, uh, they talked to Jerry Jones uh, this morning and on the radio, and he said, well, I believe that uh, Zeke's going to play this week. So the question is, if you've got uh, Zeke, uh, Chris, and he's kind of iffy, uh, do you play him or not? I guess it depends on who else you have. What's your thoughts on Zeke uh, Elliott this week? Yeah, it kind of depends on who you have. I think it's kind of a, a, a medium play as far as matchup. I don't really think it's really good or really bad. I mean, the stats may say slightly to the otherwise, but I, I think Green Bay is, is is pretty much an average defense. And I, I think he'll play. I mean, Jerry Jones saying, I think he should play this week, that, that's the equivalent of the owner coming down and saying, you're going to play this guy. I don't give a crap what Tony Pollard did. So <laughs> he just loves the okay. Elliott, as you know. So – so I, I think he's going to play. He, he'll be limited. Um, you know, he's going to be a, a week number two just because he's going to get goal line touches, but he may not get as many touches. So it's kind of, yeah, I feel kind of meh about him this week. Yeah, it's, it really kind of depend on who else you got and, and what the situation with the bye weeks and all, but uh, another uh, running back uh, situation is kind of muddled. It looked good on Monday night for Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, scoring twice against the Saints, but the, the team has a bye, and uh, John Harbaugh said, hey, uh, looks like Gus Edwards is going to come back after the bye, coming off that hamstring injury, and J.K. Domas, you know, had that knee procedure to clean out that scar tissue. Uh, they said that that was very successful, and he's set to return in three to four weeks, so here in another, you know, a couple of weeks, Gus is coming back, and then Dobbins is coming back. Well, what do you think? What do you do if you got Kenyon Drake? I guess you just hold on to him until those guys come back, or what? What? What, what would you do, uh, Chris? Yeah, and I, th- I think he actually retained some flex value even when Gus Edwards comes back. Uh, I mean, when when they were both in the lineup before, even the the game that Edwards debuted, and he had two touchdowns. And my recollection is in PPR, Kenyon Drake still had a decent. Uh, decent flex-worthy game that day. So I think he's still going to be there. He's still going to be a factor. Everywhere he's gone, he's always kind of been the second guy and stepped in, and by the end, latter half of the year, he's been kind of a factor 
for fantasy. So you definitely don't get rid of him. You, you, you can still start him as a flex or a three, I think. Uh, and when J.K. Dobbins comes back, which is going to be your fantasy playoffs, realistically, best-case scenario, then maybe it becomes more of an issue when it becomes a three-headed RBBC. Uh, but I think for the rest of the fantasy regular season, it's going to be Drake and Edwards with Drake maybe having slightly higher value in PPR. Well, he's certainly going to catch more passes, I believe, and they were explosive there on the, on the runs. Like you said, two weeks ago, I believe, when they shared carries there and touches uh, right right before Gus uh, got hurt, uh, it was Drake that scored the touchdown. So uh, moving on over to uh, Green Bay, boy, uh, more injuries in the wide receiver position. Romeo uh, Dubs uh, had a really nice catch early in the, in the Lions game and came up a limping, high ankle sprain out four to six weeks. Uh, Christian Watson uh, he suffered another concussion, so he's going to be probably out another week or two. Alan Lazard is back, so at least there's one target there. But um, beyond that, Chris, uh, Sammy Watkins, uh, 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 Santori, Tori, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, is there anyone worthy on the Packers wide receiver core besides Alan Lazard uh, this week uh, against the Cowboys? Uh, well, against the Cowboys, it's tough anyway to, to really predict anybody being having a lot of value. You got to play Lazard because he's basically scoring a touchdown almost every week he's played. So um, Watkins has been getting red zone looks and, and some high value looks. So I, I guess if I had to pick one, you know, gun to my head, I would probably take Sammy Watkins. He's probably going to get the most snaps and the most high value looks. But a guy that they keep mentioning, kind of in the background for the last couple of years, is Amari Rogers and. I'm wondering if this might be a Mari Rogers chance to get a fair number of snaps. Um, when he first came in, either, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, he was getting some love and getting some attention from Aaron Rodgers, who said he, you know, he just felt comfortable throwing to the kids. So, you know, maybe that's a possibility going forward. But I, I don't really like any of them, quite honestly. I think it's going to be, if, if it's the healthy Aaron Jones, he's going to be the next best pass catcher, maybe Robert Tunyon. Oh, yep. Uh, Josiah DeGora. All right, <laughs> some backup tight end. By the way, it's Samori Toure. That's the uh, the uh, rookie, other, other rookie uh, uh, wide receiver that they had that's uh, made a couple of uh, decent plays, but very limited targets there. Uh, anyway, uh, that's it there. Uh, we want to mention that, that we're uh, we're now moving forward. If we've got enough uh, newsworthy injuries and such to talk about, we're not going to include the injury list because that list kind of uh, you know fluctuates and changes so much that people listen to us on Friday or Saturday and say, oh, why are you talking about that injury? That guy was ruled out or he played on Thursday. So if you want to get a complete list of uh, injuries, uh, comprehensive injuries, and they're updated the day you want to check it out, come to ffmastermind.com and check out our, our uh, mid-season special 14.95 for our premium newsletters the fourth and one injury report is updated each day and that includes all the injuries listed there and of course we want to uh say our appreciation to our sponsor uh fanduel uh tackle millions and prizes all football season long in fanduel's fantasy contests if you're new to fantasy there's no better time to get on the action because right now new customers get a free single game entry when you sign up for fanduel Single-game contests are a great way to get in on the action for the week's biggest matchups with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Just draft your five-player lineup and put your best player in the MVP position where fantasy points are multiplied by one and a half. Plus, on FanDuel, you can also play full-slate contests featuring multiple games, 
season-long best ball contests, and so much more. And when you win, you'll get paid fast, and I can guarantee you that. Uh, so kick off your football season playing in terms of the, this with a free single-game entry. Just download the FanDuel Fantasy app and sign up with the promo code MASTERMIND. That's M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. That's promo code MASTERMIND, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D, to get your free single-game entry. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Read Drafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we always urge everyone to check out our website, ffmastermind.com. Uh, of course, we have our free NFL ClickBits feature. Uh, that's our flagship feature. All the news uh, as it breaks uh, posted every day there. Absolutely free if you want a comprehensive free uh, comprehensive in- injury information. That's our premium injury ClickBits, part of our newsletters. That's fourteen ninety five again to try us out for the rest of the year. The price of a large pizza. All right. Free Ice Sky scanning reports are on the site, including those who cover the Colts from Chris Rito. And, of course, uh, please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. Let's get to right to this week's picks to click and flick off your starting lineup or onto it. Give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week, Chris, and why. Okay, if you're looking for somebody to sit for a, to play for a Lamar Jackson, perhaps, I like Russell Wilson this week. I saw some signs of life from him in his last game. And with two weeks to rest and prepare for a Titans team that's dead last in yards per game passing allowed, I think Wilson could have some success here. I mean, his uh, receiving weapons are still a little well better than average, so with a lesser matchup and a tough road to running the ball against his team, I think he should get decent volume and success. Uh, he's got some good history in play, too. Wilson's averaged 358 yards and three touchdowns in his last two games against Tennessee, and he's averaged 291 and three touchdowns in his last four games after a bye week. So he should be, a, should be a, lined up for some success. And then I actually like Jacoby Brissett this week. In one of his last games as a starter for Cleveland coming up here, he's also coming off a bye week, and before that, he had his best game of the season and one of his best fantasy games ever. This week, he's going home. Remember, he grew up just near Miami, and he faces the hometown team that let him go this past offseason. A little bit of a revenge game. The fact that the Dolphins also allow the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks doesn't hurt either, and he's going to get David Njoku back most likely. So I think this game could be high scoring, so Brissett could throw it more than he usually does and maybe get multiple TD passes. Okay, a couple of quarterbacks I like this week. Well, what's not to like about Justin Fields? He's improved every week over the last month, and uh, it seems that the game is slowing down for him, and they're using him on, on planned runs, and he's just using that talent 
to his advantage. And guess what, people? He plays the Detroit Lions this week. So if he can do what he did last week against the Dolphins, he's going to burn it up the, this week. Uh, solid uh, QB1. Start him if you own him. <clears throat> of course, unless you have somebody like Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> anyway, another guy uh, that I like this week in case you need a bye week uh, fix, uh, like Chris uh, mentioned, a couple other guys, uh, Matthew Stafford, yeah, the Rams. Uh, the, the Cardinals secondary is very beatable. Uh, Geno Smith just beat him good, and I think that Stafford's actually going to throw a couple of scores in this game. So uh, I know he's not been very good all year. He's, he can have the occasional good game, and I think this week's going to be one time where he gets it done. A couple of guys I'm concerned about: Taylor Heineke. Uh, yeah, forget it against the Eagles this week. Uh, you know he's going to have trouble. Uh, you know uh, getting getting much done in this game. Uh, and also uh, moving on over to uh, the Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's down to uh, uh, two wide receivers, Allen and Williams. And the 49ers are a tough defense coming off a bye. I think they're going to limit him. Uh, this is one of the few remaining tough games for the Chargers. So once Williams and, and Keenan Allen come back, uh, I think Herbert's going to help you win your title. So in other words, He's a good buy low candidate, especially if he struggles this week. You can maybe finagle him from a, a, a co-owner there, uh, another owner in your league, that is. Anyway, uh, what about you, Chris? A couple of quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why? Ooh, don't like Derek Carr this week. He's obviously in a bit of a statistical slump. He's only averaging 15 points per game, 200 yards, and one touchdown per game since week three. But besides that, he's facing a Colts team that's got very few positives, but one is their defense. They've held four of the last six opposing quarterbacks under 160 yards and have not allowed anyone to top 280 yards this season, only allowing a bit more than one touchdown pass per game. You know, for what it's worth, he does have a good touchdown history against the Colts with 10 touchdowns in four games, but very pedestrian yardage totals on average. <clears throat> and I don't like Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, A.A. Rod is obviously one of the many veteran star quarterbacks who's really struggled. We saw him fail to do anything against a terrible Lions secondary last week. And this week has all the telltale signs of a continued slump. He's got thin personnel. It's even thinner, like we mentioned, with with Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones possibly out. Um, And if that wasn't bad enough, the frozen tundra of Lambeau is expected to be frozen this this weekend. And the visitors are going to be a well-rested and aggressive Cowboys team that has feasted on quarterbacks with only eight touchdowns allowed. They've only allowed one game over 230 yards and five games under 200 passing yards, despite facing some of the NFL's best fantasy quarterbacks. So uh, I don't want to play him this week. (laughs) Okay. How about a couple of running backs you like and why? Uh, I'm going to mention Saquon Barkley here. Not that you have a team where you would ever consider not starting him, but this week I actually think he could be a weak winner all by himself. I mean, the Texans have been hammered all season, obviously, especially by feature backs. They've allowed the most yards, attempts, touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. But Barkley has actually dominated AFC foes this season, averaging 23 points per game in three games, but only 17 points per game against the NFC foes he's faced. So I think those guys that haven't seen him before are having some bigger struggles with him. And in his career, he scored at least one touchdown against AFC South teams in five of the six games he's played against them with 300-yard games. So I see a big day coming for Saquon and Big Blue. And then uh, a guy that's been struggling on the other end of the spectrum is Leonard Fournette. But I like him this week, and maybe in a pinch, Rashad White, too. Um, the Seahawks have already allowed six different running backs to go over 100 total yards, and they've been particularly generous in the passing game with almost seven catches per game on average to the running backs. They've allowed some big chunk plays as well. So I look for each of these guys to maybe break off a big run or a long run on a screen. And now, if you guys watched the game, you saw Lenny was visibly upset when they gave the rookie some run last week, and he ran angry after he returned to the field. There might be a whole game of angry playoff Lenny coming up this week. 
There you go. All right. Uh, a couple of guys I like this week. Cordero Patterson, uh, what's not like, not to like? Uh, he faces the Panthers. Yeah, they gave up uh, five touchdowns to, to Joe Mixon. I know four of them were on the ground and one in the air. And Cordero is getting all the goal line carries there, so I think he's going to score at least once, maybe even twice in this game. So start him if you own him. Uh, Jamal Williams uh, for Detroit. Uh, I think he's going to score on the Bears this week. Uh, you know, he's basically the starter there. Swift's not healthy. I think Swift played maybe, uh, what, about uh, 10 or 12 snaps last week uh, in terms of touches or whatnot. Uh, not not, not, not very much at all. Jamal Williams is the guy to own there for the Detroit running game. A couple guys I'm really uh, concerned about, and this guy I own on the Dynasty team, so I'm really, uh, you know, fretting. The CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, he's definitely a risky uh, risk to start. He's playing only 17% of the snaps on Sunday. That's down from 20 the previous week. Isaiah Pacheco is the new starter. And, of course, when the uh, Chiefs are in pass mode, it is Jerick McKinnon. So unless uh, CEH sneaks in a score, you're going to be lucky to get two, three, four points. That's what he got last week, I think, 2.9, <laughs> something like that. So, And then the, the other the guy I'm worried about, is, of course, is Zeke Elliott because he's got that knee injury, and the Packers have allowed just four t- TDs rushing, rushing scores this year. So he's a caution play. Temper your expectations if you start him because, of course, he's going to be sharing heavily touches with Tony Pollard. Uh, how about you, Chris? A couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why? Another guy we mentioned before on the other side of that game, Aaron Jones. I mean, he's been a solid PPR RB1 all year. You probably drafted him as your number two. But I think the gravy trains come to a stop at that week 9 or 10 station. Um, uh, after he left last week's game early, he's still iffy for Sunday, like you said. So I think he's going to cede some touches to A.J. Dillon. He's going to be less than 100%. And this is just a tough matchup for any running back, especially, you know, at home, rested, coming off a of bye week. Much of Jones' value comes from the passing game, and Dallas is particularly good at limiting that with only 30 catches and no scores for the running back. So uh, another guy I'm putting on my flick list in the second week in a row is Brian Robinson. His star is fading over the last few weeks. Antonio Gibbs is getting more snaps and touches, and more importantly, the high-value ones in the passing game and the red zone. Um, this week against a tough Philly front seven, there's even less chance for red zone and short yardage work and a whole lot more chances for pass catching and splash plays. So, again, Gibson, I think, is going to dominate the Washington backfield. He's a great dynasty player and a great keeper stash with some really good matchup value in Week 11 against the Texans. But I think his, the tough schedule the rest of the way means he probably isn't get, going to get off your fantasy bench unless you're desperate next week. Okay. How about a couple of wide receivers you like and why? Ooh, love me some Christian Kirk this week. He's quietly produced as a wide receiver, too, in PPR all season, despite a run-heavy offense and a schedule that has more top five wide receiver defenders for fantasy than, than, than not. But despite the tough opposing slate, he is top 15 in every stat category for receivers, and only six guys have scored more touchdowns, believe it or not. But he begins a long string of bottom five pass defenses this week. So not only is he a click, but he's also a potential trade target for those in need of wide receiver help. This week, though, he's going to be a high-volume target against a very generous Chiefs secondary that's a bottom five pass defense versus wide receivers in fantasy. And that is, and that's their bottom five, and that's after they allowed zero catches to wide receivers last week in that run fest with Tennessee. So they're still really, really bad. Uh, and I love Chris Olave, the rookie this week. Eight receivers have already gone over 95 yards against the Steelers this year, and they've also allowed a league-high 13 receiving scores to position, even though they've played one less game and generally trailed in most games. Um, there's a lot of room for success here. Olave has no competition for targets on the outside. He's getting over half the receiver targets in New Orleans since week five, um, despite missing a game himself. 
He's been very consistent, seven straight games and double figures for PPR, and only his first career game in week one was a low of 9.1 points, still pretty good. It's been the NFL on target since week two. So I, I really like Olave uh, for this week and going forward. Yep, I agree with you there. All right, a couple of guys I like uh, wide receiver. Uh, DPJ, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones coming off the bye. They're playing the Dolphins this week, and because we know what the, the Bears did to the Dolphins last week, the Dolphins' secondary stinks. And like you say, that I think the Brissette is going to have a good game, and I think that includes a couple long ones to DPJ. There's a good chance DPJ actually scores in this game. And another tip, uh, guys, if he's still on your waiver wire, you better pick him up because in just three short weeks in week 13, Deshaun Watson's coming back, and that's going to enhance the value of not only Amari Cooper but also DPJ. So there's some extra bonus there for fantasy playoff time. Okay, the other guy is, uh, well, it's, this is pretty obvious if you don't remember back in week three. Devonta Smith went uh, nuclear on the commander's secondary, uh, eight for 169 and one. Now, you can't expect that to happen completely again, but I can see six for maybe 100 in the score. So, so if you've got Devonta Smith, I know he's been uh, kind of quiet lately, but, uh, you know, this is a, de- a defense that he knows how to beat, and uh, Jalen can get him the ball, so you start him. A couple of guys I'm concerned about this week, we don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Cooks. They said he's going to return to the team. Did he come back to the team? Are they, did they play patty cake? Are they happy? Are they making, making uh, some cake in the oven? I don't know what's going on there, and they're facing a tough giant secondary, so I would not start uh, Brandon Cooks until he gets back on the field and does something to warrant a start. Uh, another guy I'm concerned about is Michael Gallup. Uh, just not feeling it against the tough Packers uh, secondary there. They pretty much limit uh, secondary uh, receivers. And uh, Gallup has yet to really connect well with uh, Dak Prescott since he's come back. Just a little bit of a turn off there, so uh, take it for what it's worth. How about you, Chris? A couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why? Yeah, I also don't like Gallup. I think he may even be droppable because if they end up signing Odell Beckham, he's going to just completely disappear even more than he has right now. So uh, a couple of guys I don't like, I'll start with Wandale Robinson. Uh, I think good days are coming for this kid, but I don't think it's this week. It's not that the Texans are that good. It's just that the game plan against them just doesn't have you put the ball in the air much. They've allowed a league low number of targets and catches of the receiver, third lowest in yards and fantasy points per game in the position, and only three touchdowns. There's just no upside here in a game that's probably going to see Barkley get 30 touches before he comes out of the game midway in the third quarter. So <laughs> he'll probably be the Giants' leading receiver on the day, but it's going to be a small total. And with a lot of good streamer quality guys with better matchups and upside, He's not worth a start this week. He's worth a stash on your bench for later. And then a cautious way for me is Gabe Davis. Um, he's been more down than up this year with four games in his last six under seven PPR points and no game this year with more than four catches. But I think this is more about how I think the game plan is going to go, even though Minnesota's been generous to the receiver. Uh, first of all, that arm injury to Josh Allen, I think it's going to reduce the number of deep balls, if not the overall depth of routes this week. That's going to favor a guy like Diggs over a guy like Davis that's solely a big play guy. Secondly, the Vikings have been particularly poor at covering the shorter passing game. So typical high-volume guys are getting big target totals underneath, again favoring Diggs. And then the revenge game for a guy that loves the spotlight, being back in Minneapolis for the first time as a Bill. Uh, I just don't like him getting targets. I think Naheem Hines and Devin Singletary and probably even Isaiah McKenzie in PPR is better this week. Wow. Okay, give me some Naheem Hines there. How about uh, a couple of tight ends you like this week and why? Uh, I love Tyler Higby. Uh, he was a top targeted tight end through five weeks and a top seven PPR tight end through five weeks, and then the wheels fell off. And I know the Rams passing game and the entire offense has sputtered, 
but it's hard to overlook a matchup this juicy for a guy that is still the second most targeted guy in his team after Cooper Cup. Uh, the Cardinals simply have allowed the tight end to run all over them all year with league worst stats in every tight end receiving category. You just saw some mediocre tight ends like them up for 10 catches and a buck 36 on Sunday, and Higby himself had a decent day in week three in this matchup. So I think he's a solid play with tight end one potential this week and a better than 50-50 chance at a score. And now if you need somebody really deep off the waiver wire, you should think about Tommy Tremble from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, after scoring only nine PPR points total through the first six weeks, He's averaging eight points per game the last three weeks when P.J. Walker moved under center, and he scored in two of these three games. He also has eight targets in the last two weeks. The only team he did not score in the last three games is the Falcons, who have allowed the second-most tight end receptions and the third-most yards, but only one touchdown so far. So I think Tremble's on a bit of a scoring roll. The Falcons are due for a negative regression in touchdowns. So I like Tommy Tremble as a sneaky play off the waiver wire to get you a good shot at low double-digit PPR scoring this week. Yeah, you can always also use him on DFS there if you're uh, hurting for a cheap tight end. Uh, okay, yep. a couple of tight ends I like this week. I think that Dawson Knox is, like you say, another guy. I think he's going to score on the Vikings uh, there because he's going to be uh, involved in the short passing game. Uh, they get around the goal line there. I think uh, Josh is going to pitch it to his buddy Dawson for the score. Uh, the other guy I like this week uh, was the first tight end scorer for the Bucks this year, Kate Otten. Uh, this is assuming that uh, Cameron Brait with that neck injury doesn't play. Uh, but uh, Otten really impressed uh, this past week over the last couple of we- couple of weeks, too. He also lost a touchdown a couple of games ago on a penalty. And the Seahawks really struggle against the tight end, so uh, I like me some Otten this week. Uh, a couple guys I'm concerned about, I know Hawkinson, T.J. Hawkinson, had a big game in his first game as a Viking, but only Travis Kelsey has produced well against the Bills, and even he didn't score against them. So temper your expectations with Big Hawk. You can start him if you know he's your normal starter. Uh, but and hope for uh, you know maybe maybe some volume there like he had last week and uh, maybe you might uh, get that at least on your uh, on your stat sheet. Uh, also uh, Robert Tanyan uh, going along with everything that's wrong with the Packers here. The Cowboys really limited the opposing tight end, so I don't trust him this week. How about you, Chris? A couple of tight ends you're not crazy about and why? Uh, my caution play is Zach Ertz. Um, he's the exact opposite of last week. Remember, he was my click last week with a great matchup against the second most generous tight end defense and a huge personal history against Seattle. This week he plays the team that is number one in the NFL and fewest tight end catches allowed and a team against which he has struggled mightily in his career. So in four career games versus the Rams, he's averaging four catches for 37 yards and has a high game of 10.5 PPR points, which was earlier this year and one of the only two times the Rams have allowed double digits tight end PPR points this year. You're probably starting him, but be aware of a modest ceiling. And then this week, I, lo- I love this guy the rest of the year, because, especially with the Claypool trade, but I think Pat Fryermuth this week is going to have a rough go. The Saints have allowed a league-low amount of fantasy points to the tight end position. No one's even managed to score double digits on them in PPR yet this year, or for 15 straight games going back to last year. Only one player has amassed more than 30 yards so far in 2022, and nobody's hit 50 yards yet. They just allowed their first tight end touchdown of the season on Monday Night Football, although it's Isaiah Likely, a guy that was basically playing as a wide receiver for a depleted Ravens team. And it was his only catch, despite leading his team in targets. So I just think coming out of a bye, I've got to believe that a seasoned coach like Tomlin has game-planned away from New Orleans' strength and to their weaknesses, and Fryermuth's not going to see as much action this week. Okay, well, uh, let me, uh, let's go to the one-hit wonders. The kicker and defense hit me with them, Chris. A couple of guys who are... Strikingly under-owned despite their success this year. I'll start with Randy Bullock. 
He's averaging also about 12 points per game at home in the last three seasons, so very consistent numbers. And Denver allows the most fantasy points per game to kickers, so he's a great matchup. And then Cade York of the Browns, only Folk and Jason Myers have more points per game since the bye week started uh, with a low of nine points. So I love York to be a, a high floor, high ceiling guy. A couple of defenses, I like the Cardinals uh, against the Rams. Cardinals have the most defensive touchdowns, and L.A. has allowed the most defensive touchdowns and fantasy points per game, so that seems like an obvious match. And then I like a bottom feeder Vegas defense. Um, They've actually averaged eight points per game on defense at home, and India has allowed a staggering 18 points per game to defenses while playing on the road this year, and they're obviously, like we talked about, in major offensive disarray. So Vegas is definitely on your waiver wire. Nobody owns them, even in 32-team leagues. So I think you you can probably get them for free off your waiver wire. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, thank you everyone, for joining us. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Michael Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we offer our Week 11 preview. It's getting close to fantasy playoff time. Good night and good luck to everyone playing this week. Woohoo! Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!